Well, morning, everybody. Uh, shall we begin with prayer? Our great God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather brothers and sisters in the Lord this morning, and we do so to think about your word just for a brief time. We ask your blessing, the work of your Holy Spirit, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. I have to confess right at the beginning, I think I shall overspill by a minute or two, and I ask your indulgence for that this morning. I'll try and do better tomorrow. Um, we left the children of Israel at the foot of the mountain. God has just spoken directly to them, and they're really frightened. And they say to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen. Don't let God speak to us. We're afraid that we're going to die. So Moses, you be our mediator between this great God. And Moses, Moses does go up the mountain, this time for the fourth time. It says he drew near to the thick darkness where God was. And at this time, he receives all kinds of instructions about the uh, social relationships of the people and their daily life, and a wonderful promise to bring the people into the land he's promised them. Moses goes down, he tells the people everything. And what do they say? Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses writes it all down in what's called the Book of the Covenant. And then their promise is sealed with the blood of sacrifice. Then there's something rather mysterious. It says uh, God, Moses is told to take Aaron, his two older sons, and 70 of the elders up the mountain. And it says they saw the God of Israel. It reads as if it was just God's footstool. But it says... They saw the God of Israel, but God did not raise his hand against these leaders. They saw God, and they ate and drank a fellowship meal. Moses goes on up the mountain right after this fifth time. This time, he's with the Lord for 40 days and nights. That's not described for us. But during this time, he receives detailed instructions about the worship of God, including the big tent of the tabernacle or the tent of meeting in its courtyard and all its furniture and its utensils. Put yourself in Moses' place. He, he really must have thought things were going well. The people had promised to obey three times. God's promise was wonderful. And now he had detailed instructions on how they were to live and how they were to worship. What could be better? But there's trouble in the camp. The people are restless. And some of them are saying, we, we don't know what's happened to this fellow that brought us out of Egypt. What's going to happen to us now? And it becomes the general mood of the people. And they say to Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. And Aaron, remember Moses' brother, and one of those that had been up the mountain and seen the Lord, 
Moses said, okay, well, give me your earrings. And he makes uh, a, a, an idol, a graven image. And the people say, these are your gods that brought you out of Egypt. And to crown it all, Aaron says, now we'll have a feast to the Lord, which meant he <laughs> included that graven image that was just been given. They're breaking at least two of the commandments that God had given them already. Meanwhile, Moses is still on the mountain and the Lord reveals to him what has happened. Moses goes down. You remember he breaks the two tablets of stone. He's angry with the people. He questions Aaron. Aaron gives him a very weak excuse. Clearly the people were out of hand. They were running wild, it says. We're not told exactly, but apart from the idolatry, it's clear that it was behavior uh, totally inappropriate for those that had promised to follow God's way. Moses calls it a great sin. This really is treasonous behavior in this newly formed nation. And Moses orders the Levites to go and kill probably the ringleaders amongst these people and 3,000 died. Later on there was a plague. The people had to learn that being God's treasured possession was serious business. How could they have done what they did? Moses had been away up the mountain before True, he hadn't been up for 40 days and nights, but he had been away. They seem to have completely forgotten the plagues, the Passover, the Red Sea, and all that has happened since then. And they'd also forgotten that they promised to obey God, to trust him. Uh, and where were the 70 leaders that had gone up the mountain with Moses and Aaron? Well, why didn't they some? They were community leaders. But they had all obviously been affected and were thinking of the religious practices in Egypt. Probably few had any real grasp of the Lord and his ways. Also, we know that they weren't all Israelites in this crowd. It was a mixed multitude, we're told, came out of Egypt. And in Numbers, they're described some of them as a rabble, not really children of Abraham. <coughs> but even more, it was a time of insecurity and uncertainty. Put yourselves in their position. Not barely four months out of Egypt. Here they were in the wilderness country. Uh, Moses was away. Um, it was a time of uncertainty. So we know what they should have done, <laughs> but they were affected by this. They were insecure. It was a test of their trust in the Lord, Moses tells them. But what do we tend to do when we're stressed in a time of uncertainty? Well, we know what you ought to do, <laughs> but what do we do if we're honest? Sometimes we're tempted to revert to our old ways as well. 
when circumstances are hard, as some are finding now, well, we, we, we just drop off. Perhaps we don't meet with God's people or we're, we're too worried to read the Bible. We can't make any sense out of things. God doesn't seem to be answering our prayers. Sometimes it's a personal tragedy that knocks people sideways. Sometimes it's a difficulty in church relationship. And uh, they revert to their old pattern of behavior. All kinds of things. We tend to forget about being God's child and being in God's care. We forget all about trusting and following and we, we forget to count all that God has done for us in the past. That's our tendency, the temptation some of us face. We go back to our old coping strategy, the old way of life. We say, perhaps, I'll give it a rest for a bit. I'll give church a miss for a while, and I, I don't feel like reading or praying. We might even deliberately look for ungodly company. Hey, people do it. They go right back to their old pattern of behavior before ever they were a Christian. It does happen. I won't stay to, I had an illustration, but uh, time's going. Something we need to be on our guard against. Then just Moses and his Lord. I'd like us to think about this for a few minutes before we finish. Remember Moses, before ever he went down to the rebellious people, the Lord says to him, I'm going to destroy this stiff-necked people and I'll make a nation out of you. I'll fulfill my promise. After all, he was a child of Abraham. I'll fulfill my promise through you. Does Moses say thank you? He says, oh Lord, you brought this people out of Egypt in a powerful way. Why should the Egyptians be able to say, you did it for an evil purpose to destroy them in the wilderness? He goes on. Lord, remember Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and how you swore to give the land to their offspring. And he's, he's concerned, well, he's concerned for the people, but even more than that, he's concerned for the Lord's reputation and character. And we're told that God relents. But having dealt with the rebellion, Moses goes up to the Lord for the sixth time and he, he pleads with the Lord, don't blot me out of your book. Blot me out of your book if you're not going to forgive them. What a selfless prayer. God says, all right, I, I, I will forgive them. But he says, I'm, I'm not going to go with this, people. My angel will go first and he will get them settled in the land. And <laughs> Moses said, no, if you're not going to go with me, don't, don't lead us on. You've said to me, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. And how will everyone know that I've found favor in your sight if you don't come with us? It's your presence with us that makes us different from every other people. God said, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. I'll go with them. For I have found favor, you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Hmm. 
What a relationship. You notice he's not satisfied with that, though. He then says, show me your ways. Please show me your glory. Remarkable man, Moses. Reminds us of the Apostle Paul. Paul said, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. I haven't got there yet, but I press forward. And if you like, it's a, one of the marks of a Christian that he's always pressing on, always wanting more. Well, we know how it all ends, don't we? Moses goes up the mountain, this time for the seventh time. He's called up, taking the two, taking two new tablets of stone on which God graciously writes those Ten Commandments again. And God does show Moses something of his glory. What did Moses expect to see? I will make all my goodness to pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, Yahweh, the Lord. But you cannot see my face, for no man can see my face and live. And then the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and truthfulness, faithfulness. God's glory to Moses is his goodness, his sheer goodness. I think this incident also helps us understand that little verse in John's Gospel. Remember it says, the word was God, and the word that was God was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory of the Father, full of grace and truth. Mm -hmm. I think there's a reference back here to what Moses saw of God. Mm -hmm. What a remarkable and wonderful exchange between Moses and the Lord. The Lord says, after Moses asks him yet again that he will forgive this stiff-necked people. He says, I am making a covenant before your people. I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I would do for you. Well, time's gone. There's no time to talk about that special tent of meeting that was pitched outside of the camp. Not the, not the tabernacle before that. A special tent Moses had where he went to meet with the Lord. And it says other people that wanted to commune with the Lord could go to it as well. Joshua looked after it for him. We've no time to talk about the way God spoke to Moses face to face in a remarkable way. Joshua was not to experience that. 
that mysterious shining of Moses' face after he'd been with the Lord. If you're not familiar with it, read the story again, but you can omit verses, chapters 21 and 23 and 25 and 32, and omit all those instructions about daily living or about the worship for the time being, and just read the story of Moses interacting with the Lord. It's really quite remarkable. And sometimes we... Gentile Christians, we don't realize what a remarkable man Moses was and how much greater the Lord Jesus is, says Hebrews, even than Moses. He wanted to encourage those Jewish believers. <laughs>